Do you love role-playing games? Well, you're not alone. At Dogmite Games, you can feel the Dogmite difference, and they offer years of powerful experience creating woodworking items that will enhance your home games. High-quality custom tabletop gaming hardware, from fully sculpted GM screens to dice towers and everything in between, they customize everything, the sculpture, the engravings, the finishes, they do it all. And they back it all up with an outstanding customer service, a lifetime guarantee on all of their creations, and real-time tracking of custom orders through their website. That is the Dogmite difference. Dogmite Games is the best gaming company that you've never heard of. You could change that today by heading over to dogmite.com and see how you can upgrade your gaming experience today. From across the various realms of the internet comes the power of role-playing. This is Game Night Heroes. Toss dice and tell stories. The best of role-playing is here. This is Game Night Heroes. Hello, and welcome back to the Game Night Heroes. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. I'm Kevin, and today I am joined by some fellow players to tell a collaborative story, the outcome of which will be controlled by our dice rolling. This is a narrative play podcast edited to capture the pure spirit of the game we are playing. And I welcome you back to another exciting episode of our coverage of the Power Rangers role-playing game. The Power Rangers role-playing game was created by Renegade Game Studios, and the Power Rangers franchise is owned by Power Rangers LLC and Hasbro, neither of which we are affiliated with. Today I am joined for part two with my great cast from part one, so if you haven't catched that yet, be sure to head on back and check it out. Links for all four of these cool, awesome folks will be found in the show notes, so be sure to give them a nice follow and find out what they are up to in the world at large. So, if you are excited as much as we are, let's get ready to dive back into some more Mighty Morphin action as we tell part two of Power Rangers. Guardian Swarm. Nearing the planet of Earth, Conqueron's main flagship drew closer to the planet still. On the deck, Lord Conqueron stood, once again observing all that he had foreseen. Raida appeared in that deep blue rift in the air. My lord, our sources have told us that everything on Edenoi is complete. The planet is ours. There was no opposition. Of course not, Conqueron replied, not even remotely worried that there would have been. It has been a long time since those people have felt the need to go to war. They are not ready for the Conqueron's forces. He smirked once again, something not unlike an insect. Scorponox will find his way down to Earth once it is secured. Know this, daughter. That job should be mine, Lord Conqueron. Fear not, daughter. I have a plan for you as well. The power source on their planet is necessary, and I do believe that someone only that I can fully and completely trust will be required to retrieve it. I live to serve, Raida said, and she bowed deeply to her master. Rise, Raida. I know that you are the one to do such a thing. Go now. Its location has been given to you here. He handed her a small metallic bracelet of sorts, and as she pushed a button on the side, a holographic projection of a nearby cave system appeared. It clicked, it flicked, and it turned into something else, 
As the image showed the passage of time, the cave system eroded away, filled in, became something else, flat, even ground, and built on the site a building, tall, made of stone, glass, and metal. Outside there was a sign, but Raida did not care for the primitive language of Earth. Her attention was drawn closer, though, and she noted that on the sign it spoke clearly. Angel Grove High School. An interesting place for the power source to be hidden beneath. No matter. Scorponox would prove a fine distraction, as she sought out the real source of the planet's power. Raida rose, turned to Conqueron, and bowed deeply again. Go now, Raida. Make us that this planet is ours. And do not tarry. She once again bowed deeply, and turned with that vicious, twisted smile on her face. It would not be long before she retrieved the power source, and with it, the ownership of the planet Earth. There would be none who could stand in her way. Hi everyone, my name's Tori, and I'll be playing Dakondra. She's a runaway fugitive princess of Edenoi. Hi, my name is Prima, and I play Jeannie Jones, the athlete who never lets her team down. Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm playing Kellen, the rebellious rocker. Hi, I'm Jim, and I play Ollie, the impulsive graffiti artist. Our attention is brought into a classroom inside the local high school where there is a man sitting at a desk. And as the four of you enter into the room, Mr. Saban looks up. Oh, well, hello, students. Um, hello there, he says, looking at you, Decandra. When you look at Mr. Saban, he is a middle-aged man. It looks like he is Israeli in ethnicity. He's got dark hair that is very nicely combed. He's very nicely dressed. He's got glasses that he removes from his face. It looks like he was in the middle of collating papers about something on his desk. Um, Mr. Saban, this is Decandra. She was looking for you? Looking for me? Um, (laughs) that's a bit peculiar. Um, Um, my... My father, Dex, sent me here. Uh, my planet, Edenoi, needs your help. Uh, are you the Saban I'm looking for? His smile slowly fades, and then his face gets kind of serious. And he looks to the other three of you, and he says, Um, I'm not sure... We just fought giant alien ants. With painful stingers. We parked behind the Del Taco. A flying spaceship. Double park. It stinks behind the Del Taco. And did we mention that Dak is a princess alien? Like, literally, I could smell something really rank behind the Del Taco. (laughs) (laughs) And you saying who Dak, who Decandra is, he stands up and he takes a step forward. And he says, I'm not fully aware of your identity. You'll forgive me. You are from Edenoi, a royal from there. Yes, maybe you know my great-grandfather, Lexian? He gets a smile on his face of pride. I do indeed. I served him once, before I came here. Did Mr. Saban just admit that he's an alien? He goes, what exactly brought you here? The aliens that just attacked these students of yours... They attacked my planet first. I honestly don't even know if my father is alive. Uh, The last thing I saw was the palace falling, and they sent me here to find the Power Rangers. He takes a real long, deep breath, and he says, 
He's returned to make good on his threat, then, I suppose. Children, I apologize. There is great danger that the four of you are in. There's a great evil that is going to be threatening our world. If it has already threatened Edenoi, and you are here. You say you fled the planet. Does Edenoi still stand? I... I don't know. They sent me here to find help. Uh, my father was fighting. My mentor fell in front of me. The... Edenoi is not doing well. We We need the help of the Power Rangers. Well, hopefully then I can help you in the way that you will need. There's a great bit of information I must give you all, so please, sit down. This will be a bit of a strange story for you all to understand and to hear. He motions at some of the desks in the room. Uh, this is starting to feel less and less like a prank, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just pull out my normal chair at my desk and I just sit down. I'm like, okay, starting to get a little real. Callan sits on top of his desk. And Mr. Saban does something interesting that all of you were not expecting. He goes over to the windows, which are at this point, the blinds are up, letting in the soon-to-be midday sun rays. And he goes over, he starts lowering the blinds. And then he turns back to all of you and he says, Forgive me, but I need to be a bit more forthcoming with what exactly is happening here. And as he slowly turns around to face all of you, He's wearing the same clothing, but what you actually see is that his face has changed. His skin is now a very, very pale, bluish-gray type color. He's bald. You also see that his eyes have a strange, unnatural look to them. They're not quite human anymore. And he steps forward and he says, The time has come for this planet to be protected. And so for I must tell you, who I am and what my purposes are. I am Saban, from the planet Eltar, and I have been sent to this world on behalf of King Lexian to make sure that it is protected when the time comes. I have been here for 30 years, waiting for those who would be strong enough to carry the mantle of protecting the planet. And it would seem that now fate has brought you to me, Please do not be alarmed. I do not mean any of you harm. And although my true form here might be a bit strange to you, know that I will do whatever I can to make sure that you are successful if you are the ones who are worthy enough to become the Power Rangers. Okay, Jeannie raises her hand like this is class. <laughs> he laughs. Um, you can speak freely, Miss Jones. Um... Are any other teachers aliens? Because at this point, I feel like I need to know. <laughs> no, I am the only one to look over this area. This town is near a focal point of magical energies, of strange cosmic power that is fueled by the forces that protect the planet. And so, in a bit of me fulfilling my duties... I have taken this school as a command center of sorts to look over the planet and look for you all. But I am alone in this duty. But it would seem that now there is an another outsider, and he motions to you, Decandra, who was here as well. I was told you'd be the one that could help me with this, and I pull out the case I was given as I was fleeing the castle. He steps forward, and he very gingerly takes it from you. After all this time, he says, looking at it, and he's got a look in his eye that's distant, but it's also a look of pride, a look of importance, a look of a man who knows that what he's been waiting for is here. And he sets it down very slowly, very carefully on his desk, and he slowly begins to open it. And inside, what the four of you see is a old tome, a book of sorts. And you can see that it's bound in leather, and it has strange symbols upon the front of it. And he says, This is a book that is from my home planet. It is written by great scholars of the age there. They were the ones who could look past 
distant sections of the universe to see all the intertwined destinies of the beings that live in the various planets and galaxies across the universe. And they saw that there would be a time when greatness would be required. And in this tome, he says, and he puts a hand on it, one of many, it says ways that we could perhaps find a way to connect the heroes of the world to the forces that protect it. I cannot necessarily say for sure that the four of you may be ready, but if there is an invading force coming here, then we have very few and precious time left. This being who attacked your world, Decandra, it is a being known as Conqueron, is it not? Yes, that's that's him. Yes. He is a warmonger of sorts. Several hundred years old. And his original origins are unknown. But what we do know is that he has taken upon himself to try to conquer new worlds. To become a true and supreme leader over sections of the universe. To do this, he seeks out different power sources that belong to each individual planet. If he has gone to Edenoi... I dare hope to say that that planet has not fallen, but if he has gone to Edenoi to strip it of its power source, he will seek out the powers of your people that you have used as protectors of your world. He will attempt to do the same here, which is why the four of you must find them first. Mr. Saban, we're not heroes. We're high schoolers. Yeah. He turns and he says, Well, as the bard said, Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And others have greatness thrust upon them. None of us can choose when our time to be called to be a hero will come, Miss Jones. But we all can control what it is we do to react to that. Well, okay then. Let's go be Power Rangers. I, a, a genie's just like I. I need a sec. I just deep breath, genie. Deep breath, genie. You said that this Conqueron is going after the powers of these planets he's conquering. Does that mean he's going after my father's masked rider belt? Is that what drew him to Edenoi? It may be, but the Mass Rider power, the belt that your father uses, is but one of many power sources upon the planet. It is a conduit that he uses to tap into the resources there. Just as the people of Edenoi have been communed with their world, so have the humans who live here. I am not sure what place you might have in all of this, Decandra. Your father's powers are typically passed through the male line of succession. I do not know if perhaps you have a brother, or if your father is the last of the common riders. I was to be the next in line prior to my last development cycle. He gets an inquisitive look on his face? Hmm. I have not heard of this before, but... The development cycles make you more in tune with who you truly are. It could perhaps be that your destiny is not tied to what you were presented with before. This current form of mine has caused a lot of issues in the succession of power, and there are many of those in the palace that do not believe that I deserve the throne or much less the mask rider powers but if this is my actual destiny I'm more than happy to embrace it well you have already proven yourself strong of will if you have traveled here to warn the people of this world and also to bring me this he points again to the book I believe that your merit will not be served by what is on the outside, but rather what is just within your soul. 
And that is how I will judge you. Those who may be at odds with that are those who are misled. But I believe there is greatness within you, he says. And he gets a smile. We can speak more of this later if you wish. For now, we must make sure that the world is protected. Conqueron's power grows with every world that he conquers. As he enslaves its power source there, he will become stronger, and that his forces will be more enabled to conquer new worlds. His general, a dark being known as Scorponox, has been aiding him in this endeavor for some time. He is a vicious warrior, and those who have stood against him have all fallen in the past. I pray that none of you will have to face him in combat. I pray for the day I do. He's the one who killed my mentor. He looks to you, and there's a look of sadness, but then he just stands up a little bit straighter, and he gives you a couple of nods like he understands. The power source is not something that I can particularly find myself. Those who are truly destined to wield it and to become one with it are the ones who must locate it and find themselves controlling it. So, you must seek out where you need to go. And he takes the book up off the table, and he turns to a different page of it, and the page that's bound within the book, he unfolds it a couple of times. So instead of being a page size, it opens up to be twice as big, and then four times as big. And then he pulls it, and it seems to separate out of the book and turn into a map. And he hands it out toward the direction of the four of you. That's a big map. <laughs> Who reaches out to take it? I take it, I guess. Okay. Hey, Kettle, when you take the map, though, you see that slowly there are land masses, sections of a mountain, a stream, things that start to spread, almost like spreading water or ink that's been spilled. Different aspects of the map start to appear in it. Whoa. Let's have everybody make, let's make a group test of a survival test to try to see if you have an idea of where this map might be for. Oh, that is going to be a snag for me, my first snag. Oh, seven for me. Okay. Sixteen. Nine. Uh, Eleven for me. Ollie, you recognize the map. It is an area that is, luckily, relatively nearby. Just past the city lines, there is a mountain range where you think that there is a certain cave there that kids in the school maybe sometimes dare each other to go into because it's scary and creepy. So you've actually been there once before, but when you got to the mouth of the cave, you heard strange sounds within that made you run away. Oh, yeah. That's, that's that weird cave out in the mountains. You mean the spooky cave that nobody goes to, but sometimes they do? Yeah, that one. This is where your journey must begin, then, Saban says. Well, we have a ship that can get us there probably faster than Conqueron's forces can find this place. Yeah, let's, let's get going, then, guys. Do know that if you seek out the power source to become rangers, that Conqueron's forces will also be seeking it as well. Great. Just what we need. More giant bug men. Yay. <laughs> and you think back to that other ship that was chasing you, how it all of a sudden stopped and veered off into a different direction. That direction wasn't the direction of this cave that you all want to go to now. I have strong reservations about this, guys. But if we're going as a team, I don't let the team down. Let's just go to this cave, and maybe there won't be anything, and everything will be fine. Don't say that. Because whenever people say stuff like that, like, oh, everything's going to be fine, nothing's going to happen, stuff will happen, P things will be there. Well, it's not like I said something like, oh, I'm only three days from retirement. Come on, those are movie <laughs> tropes. Okay. Fine, but if there's something there, you owe me. Fine, I'll buy you a Del Taco Taco. <laughs> you you will not buy me a Del Taco Taco. <laughs> I stick my tongue out I'm like. Awesome. Wait, Saban, um, if you're from Eltar, served under my grandfather, do you have any weapons that can aid us in this quest? I do not. 
But I do know that the power source could perhaps manifest weaponry if you need it. That doesn't really help us before we get there, but <laughs> good to know. It would seem that you already carry a weapon of one sort, he says, motioning to the baton. And I believe that the three of you will perhaps have other weaponry as well, he says. And he does a little point to his temple, like maybe he means that your minds are as strong as a sword. You've seen my grades. <laughs> <laughs> that I have, Mr. Johnson, that I have, he says. And he gets a little tight look to his face, like maybe uh, they're not the best. <laughs> Good luck to you all. I will aid you in whatever way that I can. There is one way that I can help you if you need it. And he goes over to the desk. He turns to the back of the book. He turns the book over. You see, there are six indentations on the back of the book. And he reaches up and he touches four of them with his fingertips. And as he's holding his fingertips there, all four of these small little indentations begin to glow. And then when he pulls his fingers away, you all swear for the briefest moment, it looks like there's circuitry in the book cover. And then those four little indentations turn into these strange little discs. And he reaches forward and he pulls them off of the back of the book. Now they are a solid round disc. And he turns and in turn, he hands one of to each of you. These discs will allow you to communicate with me at a distance. If you need aid, or if you need to be brought back here because you are in danger, you can use them for such a purpose. I will say that their powers are limited, however. I cannot simply make you appear at the cave, but you could return here by using them. If you remove them, the magics would be enough to return you here. This is a rare and ancient form of what you would call magic. Something known as grid technology. How big are the discs? They're roughly the size of a silver dollar. Okay. Okay. Magic disc to come home with. Jeannie's just going to put it in her pocket and be like, just another thing to... for the day. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, yeah, nothing to write off is weird, yeah. Yeah, Colin puts it in his pocket, too, so... Okay, absolutely. And, Ollie, what are you thinking during all this? This has been a lot for maybe you to take in. So what do you think about all this weird stuff that's gone on and the fact that you've been attacked, the fact that now your teacher is an alien, and now the fact that you apparently are going to go become superheroes? What do you think about all that? He's our only alien teacher teaching humanities. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? (laughs) Who would have a better perspective on it? (laughs) There we go. Alrighty, so the four of you set off to go find the cave and to head towards your destiny. Should we take the ship? Yeah, you certainly can. I mean, at least that way we don't have to be walking for much. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just try to fly smoothly this time. The four of you arrive back at Del Taco and back at the alien spacecraft soon enough. And you enter back into the vehicle and you get ready to head out towards the cave system. So, Decandra, if you could go ahead and make another driving test for me. 14, yeah, okay. You have no problem firing back up the vehicle and making your way along the way. So, what would the four of you like to discuss in the short little ride over? Go ahead and feel free to have feedback and figure out, maybe talk about what's going on here. It's a lot to take in. So So I gotta say, this has been one of the weirdest days of my life. Not the weirdest, but definitely up there in the top five. Same here. Wait, what was, what was the weirder day? You, you don't want to know. I mean, not that I don't like you guys enough, but I don't really want to talk about my past. No, that's fair. That's. And I lower my voice a little bit. I'm like, are we actually being smart here? I mean, our teacher's an alien. We just met another alien. We're now in a ship going to a spooky cave to look for magical powers. This seems like a whole bunch of red flags bad idea. I mean, 
not that we're not awesome, but there has to be people better qualified to do this, like the army or the Navy or somebody. Of course. Yes. Let's go straight to the local army base and say, hey, our teacher's an alien and there's an alien invasion coming and we need you to send four people to become Power Rangers. So, like, that's totally going to fly. They're going to throw us into the loony bin. So what? You think you're just going to magically become a Power Ranger? Well, I'm just saying, you know, there's a reason why we were chosen. You saw a ship fall from the sky. And to be fair, I got there first. Yeah. Still. I mean, that's not choosing. That's witnessing an accident. Okay, but still. Okay, I'm probably going to get like a cool color like red or or, or black. You're not you know? cool enough <laughs> to have black. Oh, please. You're probably going to get end up getting, like, pink. Oh, come on! Oh, pink! Pink. Can you imagine me in one of those pink imaginary, like, spandex suits that the rangers supposedly wore? Oh, look at me! I'm so pink and pretty! Blah, 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 blah. Oh, barf! <laughs> oh, please. Ollie, what do you think about all this? You've been really quiet. That beats the tension. I wouldn't know about that, but I'll take your word for it. Of course, little Miss Pinky Petey wouldn't know about detention. Stop calling me pink! <laughs> Jeannie stomps her foot. She's getting really upset and her face is turning pink. She's like, I'm not pink! Your face is pink. <sighs> Decandra, these humans are weird. <laughs> I would think you've never been to this planet before, so you don't know really how to take some of these emotions that they're showing, but... I just kind of breathe under my breath. Teenagers with attitude, it's what they asked for. But uh, so far, Ollie is maybe the one that, like, I'm just kind of giving the side eye to, and uh, okay, like, uh, this... Uh, I believe you. The other two? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm questioning their old chosen one status. <laughs> Don't worry, Jeannie's questioning her Chosen One status at this point, too. Although she did enjoy kicking the giant Ant-Man. Until it stabbed her. Pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, right. You gotta roll with the punches, as they say. Uh Alright, so you guys take the short journey over, and you get to the spot that you would recognize within the map. And when you pull up, you see that luckily, you do not notice that other vehicle. So... They're not here waiting to ambush you or anything like that. So the four of you disembark out of the ship and you make your way towards the mouth of the cave. Ollie, what exactly goes through your mind when you come back up to this cave? The last time you were here, I mean, it was a couple of years ago, so it's not like it was yesterday or something. You're older now, more mature, but the last time you were here, it was pretty spooky. It was pretty creepy. So what exactly is going through your mind when you see the cave again? I should probably take off my skates. (laughs) (laughs) do you have regular shoes nope not with me so he's just gonna gonna kick those off and he's gonna barefoot oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it i love it all (laughs) righty you all enter within the cave and the life from outside is starting to not be able to be seen anymore the further you go within anyone have a flashlight I don't know, Pinky, do you? Wait, I've got this, and I uh, try and emit just a bit of light from the gem in my forehead. And Jeannie doesn't say anything. She just sort of walks forward into the cave. You're like, I'm not going to acknowledge this. I am not pink! <laughs> okay. Yes, there is a faint green light that comes out of the gem in the center of Decandra's forehead, and it does beam out in front of you. It bathes the inside of the cave in a very faint, warm green glow that makes it so you all can see well enough to know where you're going. You kind of compare how hard it is or is not to see, and Decandra, you could see a little bit better than they can. Probably the differences in your biology, you would assume. But you make your way in and you quickly find that the cave system here, it's very natural. There's not like a secret passageway or anything like that. It's all rough hewn. And so as you're moving along, I would like for everybody please to make an athletics test to make sure that they don't maybe slip and fall or hurt themselves or go down the wrong path. 
because you're doing this as a group, you could potentially aid each other and lend assistance if you need to, if some of you aren't necessarily good at doing this type of thing. Well, I can actually help because I have the teacher influence. Whenever I lend assistance, I give an extra edge. So you basically roll 3d20s. Wow. Ooh. That's really cool. And that's just on um, non-combat stuff. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm going to take the snag. Actually, before you do, I kind of speak up and kind of look around like, it's just like home. And since I have the not-from-around-here perk, I can gain an edge or give an edge related to my background. So I feel like cave traversal is probably uh, pretty commonplace on Aidenoi. Yeah. Okay, then. then that's right. an edge for me, then. So I guess a 15 and an 8? If I have an edge or whatever? Yeah, the edge basically gives you, you roll, you take whatever the highest is as your result. Okay, that would be 15, then. 15? Okay. Okay. Then I got 13, then, because of the edge. Okay. That's 17. 17, okay. Uh, 11. 11, okay. The four of you climb along, and there's times where you actually help each other. You notice, oh, wait, don't step there. Move your foot off to the side a little bit. Things like that. Uh, Dekandra, you are skilled at spelunking, going in underneath the ground because of your home planet is very much underground. It's a lot of cave systems and things like this. So, yes, all four of you working together, working in unison, using teamwork, you make your way through and climb down into a small little ravine that's down below. Unfortunately, the map that Saban gave you doesn't have on it where inside the cave you need to go. But when you get down within here, there is suddenly a strange thrumming that all four of you feel, almost like you are slightly vibrating. It's almost like that feeling, Kellen, when you're doing one of your shows with your band, how when the bass is really going and you're really mm-hmm. into the moment, you feel that pounding in your chest with the notes. It's kind of like that for you. Mm-hmm. Genie, it kind of makes you think of when you're exercising and your muscles have that strain of being pushed just a little bit too far. Mm -hmm. But in that push comes the fact that you're going to be stronger when you're done with it. Ollie reminds you of that moment when you are doing a really wicked flip. And as you make some air time, there's that brief moment when you get to the crest of your jump and your flip that you feel like you're weightless for a moment. And Decandra, for you, It feels that sense of pride that you have, knowing that you are helping these others go and complete a mission, and that you are acting like a true ruler that you know that you were destined to be. And it feels comforting to all four of you in a certain way. And let's have everybody please make an alertness test. This is not a group test, so you can't really aid each other in this. This is just individually just notice something. I'm just looking for one of you to be successful on it. 17. Okay. 12. Okay. 14. 14. Three. And Genie, even though you are entering down into a subterranean area, and even though it's getting darker, it's getting a bit more strange down here, you get the distinct impression that your group needs to head to the right. Guys, we need to go to the right. Okay. Just just trust me on this. We've got to just move this way to the right. Like, now. Gotcha. Okay. You all follow in behind her. Decandra, you take up the rear. You're shining the light from your forehead gem out, like, forward across everybody so everybody can see. And you continue down, and the path here starts to get tighter, more narrow. It's almost like it feels like the walls are surrounding in at you more and more. It gets a bit unsettling at first. And as you're moving along, all of you start to hear that there is scuttering and clicking and weird skittering sounds in the dark that you can't see. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's have everybody go ahead and make an alertness again. 15. 15. Oh, so 15 and 15. Wow, nice. We're getting a twinsy sort of vibe here. I love it. <laughs> Six. Okay. Ten. All right. 
And Jeannie and Kellen, you both feel the same feeling that Jeannie felt a moment ago about this is the right way to go. The two of you feel together that you need to go off to the left slightly and then down underneath. There is a cropping of the stone that dips down, so you have to crouch super low. Okay, guys, this way. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. We've got to go this way. If everybody please can make an athletics test for me. And this is something you could aid each other with because you're crawling down in on your hands and knees through these tunnels and it's starting to get tighter. Yeah, could someone aid me with it because I suck at athletics? Yeah, I'll help. Yeah, so what you can do to lend assistance is basically you can have the ones that are helping can, if you have points in that skill, you can help the other people who might not have points in that skill get edged for the role or do an upshift if they do have the ability. Yeah, I can give that upshift. I will help whoever wants it. I need yeah. help. I was going to say I have it, but... <laughs> okay. I need help the most. I, I have a snag in mine. Okay, um, I give an extra edge when I help in non-combat stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kellen and Jeannie, I think those are the two who are getting helped. What you got, Kellen, was that basically you got an edge on your role, and then Jeannie got an upshift on her role because of the way they were assisting. Okay. Then 12. Okay. Okay, that was an 18. 18, okay, cool. And yeah, working together again, you all push through it. There is a really, really, really tight space that you all have to squeeze through. You all do come in eventually to a cavern that is deep underneath. And as you come within, and the light from Decandra's forehead gleams across the walls, you can see that there's a cavern under here that's really large. It's larger than it should be. It almost seems to defy logic. And you see that there are six different stone alcoves around the perimeter of the walls. And in each alcove, you can see the shadows shift slightly. Whoa. That's weird. Oh, I don't like that. Do not want. Decandra, I'll have you go ahead and make a culture roll. Uh, ooh, 18. Okay. You would know from the stories that you perhaps have heard in the past about things like this, you would know that this is some sort of font of power. This would be probably where part of this ley line that Saban spoke of, where the energies come together, this would be a focal point for that. And as the four of you stand up into this cavern, you can feel that thrumming in your chests, in your bodies, in your spirits, are starting to be more and more pronounced. It feels like it's been stronger the more and more you've been climbing down in through here. And now that you are deep down below this mountain range, you feel it all around you. This is definitely where you should have gone. This is the right place. It's almost overwhelming. And part of that feeling makes you feel like you need to go to the alcoves. I go over to one of the alcoves. Uh, Eeny, meeny, miny, that one. (laughs) Okay. Do the other two of you? Yeah, I'll pick one of them. Okay. Whichever one seems the most green. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, and so, yeah, you step forward as well. As the four of you step into four of the six alcoves that are under here, who do we think steps in the alcoves first? Probably Kellen. Okay. Kellen, you step up into the alcove, and as you do, you can see the shifting shadows of the walls are not shadows. It's like the walls are alive, like something in here is moving. And what you notice is as you step into this place, the walls seem to be alive with creeping, crawling insects. It almost looks like hornets or bees or something. Oh man, I hate bees, I hate bees, I hate bees. And who would be next, do we think? Me. Jeannie, you step forward into one and it's the same thing. When you step into it, the shadows around you start to cloy a little bit, move in around you, and you can see millions of beetles, elongated mandibles, Weird horns that jut off the front of them are crawling all around you, crawling in closer, trying to get onto your skin. This would be so cool 
If it wasn't so scary. <sighs> Ollie, you, I think, would go next. So you step up into yours, and you see that when you step into it, that there is, again, movement within. A whole bunch of these weird forms that you notice are insects as well. Something that you would recognize to be mantises crawling around along the walls in here. And then finally, Decandra, you step forward. And as you step up into the alcove, you see that not necessarily crawling, millions and millions of an insect that is flying. Dragonflies begin to fly around you and swirl about your body. And what does everybody think in this moment when all of these insects are starting to move around you? You can see they're starting to fly or crawl in front of you to actually enclose you within this alcove. It's almost like a wall is being formed and it's closing you in within here. Kellen, what do you think? Helen is fighting the intrinsic instinct to try and like swat away at the bees and the hornets, but he just starts like backing up more and more, even before the hornet wall starts enclosing him in more. He's just sort of already backing up towards the back wall of the alcove. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And Jeannie, what goes through your mind in this moment? Jeannie, basically, the wall starts closing in. She just screams. This is not how she expected life to go. She's just freaking out. She's like, there are bugs all over her. She just screams. Okay. Ollie, what goes through your mind in this moment? He's, um... He's just going to hold out his hand and see if he can get one of them to crawl on. <laughs> okay. You put your hand up, and you do see that a single one of them, it's bright yellow, almost golden, and in the dark it seems to glow. And it crawls onto your outstretched hand, and it looks up at you, it rubs its hands together in a strange fashion, and then its head turns at a tilted angle to match its gaze with yours. It curiously looks at you right back. Cool little dude. <laughs> and Decandra, as you step within, you feel these insects moving about you. You have expected them to be crickets or grasshoppers, but they're not. They're something different, something more elegant, but yet still as powerful. What goes through your mind? I feel a weird sort of kinship or like spiritual connection to what I'm looking at here and uh, I feel like I have them all flying around them and you know moment of triumph mm, I love that absolutely and it is then that all four of you are completely enclosed within your alcoves and then there are giant beams of light that come up from beneath your feet blindingly so to engulf each of you separate colors that stream up through and cover your bodies completely and in that moment, all four of you feel yourselves pulled away. You seem to be distant from the cave. You find your presence, your consciousness, soaring out above to look out above the land, to go up into the air and look above the entire world, to be pulled out past into the expanse of space, way past the far reaches of the galaxy that you're in. You see everything, you hear everything, you know everything, and in that brief moment, you feel yourselves reach out and touch something bigger than yourself. The far reaches of the universe reach back, and you see through the expanse of space, grid lines that make up existence, and past that, something else, something that gives you power, and you grasp it. It is yours now. The energy engulfs all of you, an individual color for each that is separate and alone, yet part of something bigger. You feel it form within you, and the transformation, the metamorphosis, is complete. The energy washes away, pulled with you as you leave the expanse of space and find yourself pulled back down once more towards your physical form. And then you all find yourselves back in the cave, 
and the walls in front of you disappear. And the four of you slowly step out of the alcoves. And when you step out of the alcoves, you all look to one another, and you see that there is a aura, a shimmering light around each of the four of you as you step out of these alcoves and rejoin with each other in the center of the room. You all are now something else, but something else together. A team. You also all notice that all four of you have what looks to be some sort of strange bracer on your left arm that looks almost like something that's wrapped around your forearm. It seems to match those insects that were in the alcove with you. You all notice that that's a bit strange. You see that those forearm bands, they shift and turn and morph into these strange bracelets that you wear. Do you think we got it? You all feel strong. You all feel powerful, but not different. You just feel like maybe you've picked up something that you lost and found again. Should we... I don't know. Or what should we do? Like... And you see Kellen just sort of, like, swinging his arm around that has the bracelet on it. What do I do? Is there some activation thing you gotta say? I call out a... Ectophase! Activate! Let's see if my father's transformation call does anything. You all see that there is a green light that emerges out of the center of Decandra's chest. It washes out over her form and then sizzles out it doesn't seem to do anything else. It didn't work. Maybe it's something simple, like power up or power on. Oh, maybe we should go ask Mr. Saban. Yeah, um, I take out my coin, and like I just I teleport back. When Kellen holds the coin aloft, and he thinks about returning to the classroom, you all see that there is a shimmer for a moment. The coin glows for a brief second. And then there is a light purple, uh, pinkish type color that washes down over the coin and flows over Kellen's body. He is wrapped with the energy, and then the energy replaces him, and his form seems to dissolve into it. And then the energy zooms up into the air and disappears through the ceiling. And then he is gone. Wow. That was a trip. That was cool. All right, what the heck? I snapped mine. And there's deep violet, almost like a black light effect that turns into what looks like weird, strange black shadows that wrap around her. And it does the same thing. It zooms up towards the ceiling and disappears through the ceiling. Break mine. Ollie, you do the same. And Decandra, you see that he is engulfed by a golden yellow color that closes around him and he zooms up through the ceiling. I take one last look around the cave, and I follow suit. And the three of you see Decandra emerge back in the classroom, where Mr. Saban is waiting for the four of you, and when she does, it is with a stream of green light that brings her back down, and she lands, as you all landed, comfortably, calmly, back in the center of the classroom. And it was instantaneous, even though you all did these things you know, one, then the other, then the other, then the other. It was almost an exact unison that you all arrived back in the classroom. And when you do, Mr. Saban is standing there behind the desk. He's got a smile on his face. Yes, I see that you have gained the power. It looks good on the four of you. Now I hope that it's not too late for this world. Use what you have found and make sure it is safe. Okay, how do we turn these on, though? Well, there will be plenty of time for... And with that, there was a loud boom outside. And all of your heads go and look off to the left. And you can see that there is a strange, gigantic ship that is now up above the city that is blotting out the sun and blocking the city in blackness. You all run to the window to look out to see what's going on. And Decandra, you recognize the ship. It's one of the same ships that was trying to attack your world with the invasion force. And you can see that pouring down out of it are 
dozens, if not hundreds, of these strange raiders, these ant-like people that are streaming down on cables and emerging and landing down on the ground below. They're running around, and they are knocking over cars, breaking windows. They're chasing people through the streets. You can see people are screaming, running in fear. You can see there's a police officer who comes out, tries to yell for them to stop, and they turn, and they all swarm in upon him and bear him down to the ground, and then he's lost amongst the throng of all of these creatures. So about that time, I think it's about time now. (laughs) Yep. And Decandra, you notice that there is a figure walking calmly, casually, through the center of all of these raiders. The unmistakable form of Scorpinox struts his way through downtown center of the town here, and he looks like he's itching for a fight. Scorpinox mine. The initial wave of Conqueron's invasion force has arrived, and it's centering straight on your school. Your hometown. Scorpinox and the forces of the raiders draw closer. Will you be enough? Have you found the greatness necessary to defend your world? And we'll see you guys next time. Yes. On Game Night Heroes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's trying to get the end credits. I love it. That was amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Game Night Heroes podcast. This was Power Rangers Guardian Swarm. Episode 2, Seeking Greatness. If you'd like to support the Game Night Heroes podcast, please leave us a rating or a review at your favorite podcatcher. This helps other folks like yourself find us and take the journey along with you and with us. You can also reach out to us across all social media platforms where we can be found at Game Night Heroes. You can find more information about the show, episodes, and upcoming projects at our website, GameNightHeroes.com. We can also be found on all social media platforms at Game Night Heroes. You can also email us at GameNightHeroesContact at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you and we engage with all of our fans. This episode today featured the voice talents of Kevin Stacy as the Game Master. Kevin can be found online at Kevran Games on all social media platforms. Decandra was played by Tori Trembiff. Tori can be found online at NeverEndingTori on Twitter and on their show Giant Sized Violence. Jeannie Jones was played by Prima. Prima can be found online at Prima Debresca on Instagram and on YouTube at GentleHeart001. Kellen Horn was played by Joe Zednick. Joe can be found online at Sweetly underscore Joe on Twitter and online at the Powerverse Project at mazwarts.tumblr.com. And Ollie Johnson was played by Jim Vanderbeck. Jim can be found online at Tainted Twinkie on Twitter. Links for finding these fine folks are in the show notes, so please give them a follow. Music for this episode features a cover of the original Go Go Power Rangers theme created by Ron Wasserman. This epic cover was created by Objective Guitarist. Additional music for the episode was found in Pixabay. The Power Rangers franchise and property is owned exclusively by Hasbro. The Power Rangers role-playing game was created by Renegade Game Studios. The Game Night Heroes are not affiliated with either brand, but we present this show to you with a love for the genre. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode of the Game Night Heroes podcast. Until next time, keep dreaming your impossible dream. Coming soon to the Game Night Heroes. Finley, 
As we both expected, I've found myself in some trouble, but don't worry, I'm being as safe as I can be. Something terrible is happening in Hope, Kansas. The children here really are disappearing without a trace, just as the rumors told. I'm not sure how much longer I'll be here, but I've met some interesting gentlemen, and they have kept me safe as much as I have kept them safe, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. And then, I will be able to tell you everything from the safety of our home. Yours, Victoria Glass. <laughs>